Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 12. It's going to be kind of toward the middle of your Bible. If you turn to the middle, you'll probably hit Psalms and then just turn to the right a few pages. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 12. Just one little short verse today. Amen. Ain't that good? I know some of y'all wanted to say it, so I just said it. I've heard that before. Sometimes those one verses can stretch out longer than, than 10 or 12, though. We will, Lord willing, as I mentioned uh, last week, we're going to be starting a study in the book of Mark, probably in March. We'll start going through the book of Mark, so be praying for me as I study and prepare for that. Also, I want to tell everybody while it's on my mind that we will be having a Gideon speaker on February the 24th, the last Sunday of this month, so he'll be coming to tell us about what the Gideons do. Most of you probably know about the Gideons, but if you don't, I would encourage you to come. It's a group of men uh, that volunteer. They go all over the world, and they hand out Bibles anywhere that anybody will let them hand them out. And so I love the Gideons. I love the work they do. I think God's Word is crucial. I think people need to get it, and that's a, a, a group that does that work. And so uh, we'll have a Gideon speaker the last Sunday of the month, and after the service that day, we will be taking up an offering. So pray about it. If you feel led to give to and want to give to the Gideons, you'll have an opportunity to do it that day after the service. All right, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 12. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filth. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and I pray that you help me to preach and teach your word in a way that's going to just let the Holy Spirit speak to us, dear Lord. I pray uh, that you just would, would touch our hearts today. God, I pray that you would help us to examine our own lives, dear Lord. We see the filth in our world today, God. We look out and see it all around us. But dear Lord, help us not to fail to look at our own selves, God, to see that filth that may be in our own life, those things that may be we thank you're pure, but that are not, dear Lord. So God, I pray that you just hide me behind the cross. I pray that Jesus Christ is glorified in this building today. And I pray that your word would speak to us, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this place today. And God, I pray that you be with our nation. I pray that you be with this generation. And God, I pray that you help us to be a light to this generation that greatly needs to see light. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filth. You know, I think that that verse describes very well many of the things that go on in our world today. And just this past week, I was riding down the road and and uh, I was listening to a, a Christian radio show that I listen to a lot, like to listen to it. And kind of in his introduction, in his opening, he was talking about different world events. And the host made a comment to something that happened a couple of weeks back in New York that most of you may have heard about. New York recently uh, passed a bill to uh, change uh, when abortions would allow, allowing, uh, allowing abortions to take place uh, all the way up until uh, the time of birth. And upon hearing this story, I began to research and look it up. I wanted to see exactly what was going on. And I found the video online of the day that the governor signed the bill. And here the governor of 
the state of New York, I won't say the great state of New York, it's not too great in my opinion, here the governor begins to sign this bill that is going to allow abortion to go even further than it has previously. It appears as though the boundaries keep getting pushed and keep getting pushed and keep getting pushed and to where now a child can be killed up until just seconds before its birth. And upon signing that bill, everyone in the room began to stand and begin to cheer and begin to applaud at this wonderful and great thing that the state of New York is paving the way to happen. What a sad, horrible situation our country is in. This verse describes exactly what happened that day. A generation that thinks it's pure in his own eyes, but yet it is filthy. It is covered with the filthiness and the horribleness that is sin. And we see that all over our world today. Not just with abortion. We see it in particular in our culture with homosexuality. Things that should not be tolerated are celebrated. People giving a round of applause because now we can kill more babies than ever. And when I see stories like that, it breaks my heart. And this proverb explains exactly what's going on in our world today, and not just our generation, but there have been many great sins of generations past. And if Jesus Christ does not return, there will be many generations that are just as guilty as this generation that begin to get involved in sins, whatever they may be. Now, I mention abortion and homosexuality because those are, those are the, the hot topics in our culture today. I'm not trying to single those out, but that is what we are dealing with. That's what we are faced with. That's what we are up against as Christians. I mention those things because this generation is fighting against that battle. And we live in a world where it is covered with darkness. Where people think they are doing just right. Where people think they are pure and they are doing good and they are doing wonderful things. And most of the world is deceived, it would appear. At least most of this country, a large portion of it at least, are deceived at the things that go on in this world. The things that our world calls pure, God's word calls sin. And it's heartbreaking to think about these things. <clears throat> Upon hearing this news, I began to do a little research on abortion and began to just look into what some of the doctors were saying and, and some of the things that were going on, and it will just break your heart. A generation that thinks it's pure in its own eyes, yet it's covered with filth. Let me give you an example. I found pages, pages in an article of some of the first doctors that ever performed abortions from back in the 60s and back in the 70s. And their stories of praise about all the wonderful changes that has come. I want to read you a, a quote just to give you an idea of just how dark that our world is. A doctor by the name of David Grimes had been performing uh, abortions since the 1970s. He begins his interview by saying, uh, this, this world today doesn't understand how dark things used to be before the days of Roe versus Wade. But now what a glorious, wonderful world we live in because abortion is free and more people can get it easier now than ever. Boy, from the get-go, 
It blew my mind that anyone would say such a thing. That the days of darkness were the days of old. The days before we could kill children in the womb. No, I don't believe that those were the days of darkness at all. The days of darkness that we are living in are today. The days of darkness that we are living in are today because Satan has deceived generations of people. And as a result of that, there are generations of children that were never born. Those were not the days of darkness back in the 40s and 50s and 60s. These are the days of darkness. Later on in his interview, Dr. Grimes, who was a a practicing doctor, he retired a few years ago, but he practiced in North Carolina, had this statement to say. He said, The North Carolina General Assembly has been uh, voting in further restrictions to abortion practice. There's no need for that. There hasn't been a death from abortion in this state in decades. I'm a licensed boat captain. That's what I like to do in my spare time. Last year, 23 people died in boating accidents in North Carolina. If the General Assembly truly cared about safety, they could make wearing life jackets mandatory. Boating is much more dangerous than having an abortion. And when I read that statement, it blew my mind. Then in 23 years, he said that there's, there's been less deaths to abortion. Well, no, that's not true. Because every abortion is a death. Every abortion is a murder. And the society that we live in uh, compares abortions to people wearing life jackets. As if that's a legitimate comparison. As if a law needs to be passed to, uh, to, to make life jackets uh, mandatory. That just goes to show you what we are up against. That goes to show you how deeply deceived people in our culture are today. We live in a world, we live in a generation where people think what they are doing is pure and good, but it is filth before the Lord. It's filth before the Lord. And God's Word has much to say about our filthiness. Now we talk about abortion. We talk briefly about homosexuality. And we know those things are sinful. But we need to go a little further past those things. Because it's easy for us to look at those things and see how horrible they are. But we ourselves may be filthy in some way that we fail to realize. We read articles like these and we see these things on the news and we see how, say, how can these people be so deceived? But let us take a step back for a moment and look at our own lives. Because guess what? We are all covered in filth because of our sins. And we have to look at our own lives to say, are there things that we are doing that are just as sinful in the eyes of God that we fail to realize? Are there things in our life that we do that we are celebrating that God is is brokenhearted over these things that we do? We talked about it Wednesday night. Some of you were here, some of you weren't. We talked about uh, when the Israelites... uh, 
Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days. He was hearing from the Lord. That's when, the, when God was giving him all the instructions of, of what he was going to tell the people and how they were going to move going forward and what they were going to do. And while he was up there, the people became impatient. They decided to make a golden calf. They melted their jewelry down. They made that calf and they began to worship that calf. And as Moses and Joshua were going back down the mountain, they heard this sound in the camp and Joshua said, it must be the sound of war. And, jo and Moses said, no. It's the sound of singing as the people were celebrating the grievous sin that they had just committed. And we have to look at our own lives. And we have to say, are there things in our life that we are doing that we shouldn't be doing? Are there things in our life that we are celebrating that we shouldn't be celebrating? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we are filthy because of our sins. Our sins make us dirty. Our sins make us nasty. Our, sin, our sins ruin our opportunity for a true relationship with God. God's Word says in Isaiah chapter 64, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. Some of your translations say all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags before the Lord. Now this verse puts it all into perspective. All of us have become like something unclean. And it's true. You may not want to accept it, but it's true. All of us have become like something unclean. And it's because we all have sin in our life. We are all filthy. We are all destined for God's judgment apart from Jesus Christ. Isn't that good that we can add that apart from Jesus Christ in there? Because adding that lets us know that there is a way that we can escape God's judgment. That we can come into true relationship with God. And that we can be made clean and be made as white as snow. So that we can be made pure. Not just on our own eyes. There are many people in this world that are pure in their own eyes. But they're not pure in the eyes of the Lord. And we don't want to... We don't want to be guilty of being pure in our own eyes, but not being pure in the eyes of the Lord. We want to be made pure, genuinely made pure, and that is by the blood of Jesus Christ, as we sing, Are you washed in the blood? Because that's what makes us clean. That's what makes us as white as snow. That's what, that's what makes us pure. That's what takes our, our filthiness that we are covered in because of our constant sinfulness day after day after day after year after year after year of the sins that we commit that make us dirty, that make us filthy before the Lord. But it's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that washes us as white as snow. Amen? That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Zechariah chapter 3, if you want to turn there, you can. It's toward the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 3. Verse 2. Now we'll start in verse 1. Might as well. 
Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Now, this is not the same Joshua that we talk about and have been talking about in Exodus. This is a different Joshua. This is a high priest. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, with Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. May the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Isn't this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? So here we have this scene. Here we have this, this, this vision that's going on. And, and, and here we have Joshua the high priest, and he's standing before this angel of the Lord. And who else is there? It is Satan. He is there to accuse Joshua. Now this is a representation of God's people Israel and their sinfulness. They've sinned against God a lot of times. I mean, tons of times. If you go back and read the Old Testament up to this point, God's people have continually sinned against Him. They are filthy, just like you and I. We've sinned against God, and we are filthy because of our sinfulness. And who is there in the midst of the filthiness of the people of Israel? No other than Satan himself. And why is he there? The scripture says that he is there to accuse. Now, Revelation tells us that Satan uh, is our accuser in Revelation chapter 12, uh, verses 9 through 11. Keep your finger in Zechariah. If you want to flip to Revelation, you can. If not, just listen carefully. Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. See, y'all thought it was just one verse, but I'm, I tricked y'all. See, we're going, we digging deeper so that we can understand this one verse better. Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan. The one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out, the one who accuses them before God day and night. So here we see exactly what Satan is, the same thing he was in Zechariah. He is the accuser. He is the one before God who is accusing uh, us all the time of what we have done. And you know what? He is right. When Satan goes before God and says, look at him, look at her, look at what they've done. They don't deserve for you to love them. They've turned their back on you. They've been, they've been disobedient. They knew they were disobedient and didn't care. And there Satan is accusing. You don't want them. Don't have grace on them. Don't have anything to do with them. And Satan is before God accusing us all the time. And he is right. We are sinners. We have sinned greatly. We have, maybe at times, turned our back on God. We have been disobedient in many ways. Satan is right in that. And that's exactly what we see going on here in Zechariah. Here he's accusing Joshua the high priest, but also the whole people of Israel, God's people, saying, look at them. Look at what they've done. And then in verse 2, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. May the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Isn't this a man, excuse me, isn't this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now God uses this illustration of a burning stick that is snatched from the fire. That is something that will be burned up. You know, we, if you've ever made a fire before and you put something in it, you know it will be burned up. 
But if you snatch it out, you save it from the flames, it may be a little charred. It may have, it may have a few rough edges. It, 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 it may look a little different, but it's not destroyed. It's been snatched from the fire. Now, sometimes God does that for us. Sometimes we get into the fire because of our sinfulness. But God said, look, these are my chosen people. These are my people, Jerusalem. These are my people. Yeah, maybe they've been exposed to the fire, but they're like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Now, you and I are the same way. We are destined to be destroyed, so to speak. We are destined to face God's punishment. We are destined to go to the fire. But we don't have to be those who are burned by the fire. We can be those through Jesus Christ who are snatched from the fire. Let's read a little further in verse 3. Now Joshua was dressed with filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Here we have this example. What was he wearing? He was wearing filthy clothes. This is symbolic language. We see this same type of language in Revelation chapter 3 when, the, uh, when it's talking about the church of Sardis. It talks about their sinful acts. And Jesus says, but there are some who have not defiled their clothes. That defiling of clothes, that being filthy, that's symbolic that we have sinned against God. Well, here we see that Joshua is wearing filthy clothes. God is not denying the fact that maybe his people have been sinful, that maybe they have acted disobediently. God is not denying that at all. And we see here that, yes, they are like a stick that is snatched from the fire. They are those who are wearing filthy clothes. Yes, they have sinned. Let's see what happens after this in verse 4. So the angel of the Lord spoke to those standing before him. Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to him, See, I have removed your guilt from you, and I will clothe you with splendid robes. Now that's good stuff right there. You know why that's good stuff for me? Because I am just like God's people in the Old Testament. I'm sinful. My life is filthy. My, my soul is filthy because of the sin that I have committed. And the devil's saying, you're not worthy. God, look at him. He's not worthy. The devil will even tell us we're not worthy. And we feel the guilt of our sin. We feel the shame of our sin. We feel like we are hopeless and helpless. And that God shouldn't help us. Well, we don't deserve for God to help us. But the good news is, is that by his grace and by his mercy... And by the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ, we can take those filthy robes off. And just as Joshua the high priest was clothed with pure robes here, so can you and I be clothed with splendid robes. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can see our filthiness. We can see our sin. We can see that guilt that may be burdening us and weighing us down. And I've got good news for you. Jesus Christ wants to make you clean. He wants to take this filthy, dirty, nasty burden of guilt that may be covering your life today, and He wants to give you forgiveness. He wants to wash you as white as snow. We look in our world today and we see exactly what Proverbs is talking about. A generation that is, uh, thinks it's pure in its own eyes, but a generation that is covered with filth. And that's you and I. That's every one of us in this room. Now, I don't know what sins you may have committed or not have committed. There may have been some in this room who have and committed an abortion. There may be some in this room who have 
giving in to the temptations of homosexuality. And there may be some in this room who have committed a number of any other sins that are listed throughout God's Word. We can't limit God's Word to just a couple of big ones. We can't limit God's Word to the sins that we think are the worst. We have to look at God's Word and we have to know that all sin is detestable to God. And it doesn't matter what sin that you have done, no matter how big you think it is or how small you think it is, I've got good news for you today. Jesus Christ can forgive you. Jesus Christ can make you as white as snow. He can take what is filthy and he can make it clean. He can take what is old and rotten and he can make it new and that's only through Jesus Christ. I don't know what sins you've committed, but I know our enemy. I know that he is accuser, an accuser, and I know that he is trying to make you feel guilty. I know that he is trying to make you feel ashamed. I know that he is trying to make you think that God couldn't love you anymore, but that is a lie. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to prove that it was a lie. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil... Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. How do, we, how, how do we get cleaned up from this, this filth that we have? We humbly come before Lord, the Lord. We accept this word that's given to us. This word that we call the Bible that tells us about God's Son. We get rid of our filth by accepting the truth, by accepting the word that God gives us. And by doing that, James says, we are able to be saved. When we look out into our world today, we see lots of sin in our world. We see lots of darkness in our world. We see lots of deception in our world. Because the devil has deceived many. And what do we do as Christians? What do we do? I don't know the answer to that. Do we, go, do we go stand outside of abortion clinics and protest? I don't know that that's the answer. If you want to go stand outside of an abortion clinic and the Lord leads you, so be it, but do so in love. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe there is no answer of if we do this, it's going to fix the problem. If we do that, it's going to fix the problem. Except for one thing. The only one thing that I know that we can do that has a chance to change this world is to love people. That's the only thing that I know for a fact that you and I can do that could change this world is we could love sinners just as Jesus Christ loved sinners. Because I, I, I'm going go, to say this, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but I believe that when Jesus Christ entered the scene some 2,000 years ago, I believe he changed the world. I believe at least he changed the little part of the world that he was in. I think we see that page after page after page after page in Scripture. And you know what Jesus did? He didn't protest. He didn't condemn people. He loved people. He didn't say sin was okay. He didn't sweep sin under the rug. But he knew that sinners were sinners. And he interacted with them anyway. He told them that there was a better way. He loved them. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to love people. We're probably not going to win a whole lot of people over by telling them what they're doing is wrong. But we may win some over if we tell them that God loves them. 
If we help them to see the truth. If we help them to see a better way. If we help them to know what love is. And that's what our world needs to see. And it hasn't seen it. It certainly hasn't seen it from the lost world. Those who are unbelievers. And sadly to say too many times. It hasn't seen it from believers either. And that's what I want us to do. That's what we have to do. I want you to love people. I want you to see people that are in sin, and I want you to love them. I want you to see people that are in good relationship with God, and I want you to love them. I want you to see other people's sins, and I want you to pray for them. I want you to look at your own sins, and I want you to pray for them. I want you to look at our world and the generation that we live in who are deceived, and I want you to pray for them, and I want you to love them. And when we begin to exhibit and show the love that Christ showed, if we could see a change in this world, now, we may say, well, this world's too far gone. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. But nothing's too far gone for God. I believe that entirely. No matter how bad and evil and deceived our world may be, and you say, well, you're foolish. You're foolish, preacher. This world ain't going to change. Well, maybe it is or maybe it's not. But if it's not going to change, I don't want to be the reason why. If it's not going to change, I'm going to go down swinging. If it's not going to change, we are going to go down loving people. If we're the last Christian on earth and say there's no hope, I'm all alone, it doesn't matter. You keep telling them that Jesus loves them. You keep telling them the good news. You keep telling them that life is important. You keep telling them that God is real. You keep telling them that I'm filthy and you're filthy, but there's a Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ who wants to forgive you, who wants to save you, who wants to make you as white as snow. You keep preaching the gospel. You keep telling the good news. You keep Loving people. As Christians, that's what we do, and that's what we have to do. If you're not doing it, start doing it. If you're not looking at your own life and seeing the filth that's there, it's there. We got it. We hate to use that word filth. We'll use the word filth for the people that do the really bad sins, but we're just a little dirty. We're just a little dusty. No, we're not. We're filthy with our sin, but God wants to forgive us of that sin. We need to see what's in our life. We need to look at the log that's in our own eye before we look at the speck in our brother's. And whatever that is, know that there's a Savior who will forgive us of that. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for your good word. And God, help us not to be that generation that thinks we're pure in our own eyes, God. All the while, we are as dirty and nasty as we can be. God, we talk about things that are heartbreaking today. I pray that you be with those doctors and nurses that perform these millions of abortions a year. God, I pray that you would break their heart. I pray, God, that you would flip the switch, dear Lord, that they would see and know what life is and know the preciousness of it, dear Lord, not be deceived with the lies of the devil. And God, I pray that you would help us to look at our own lives. God, it's easy sometimes for us to look at the world and see all the bad sins that people need to stop doing. But dear Lord, we might need to look at our own life and look at the things we need to stop doing. <coughs> God, I pray that you just be with us today. If there's somebody in this room and maybe they're struggling, dear Lord. Maybe they know all about the accuser. Maybe they've been battling him all night, God. Maybe they've been battling for a week, for years, dear Lord. Maybe they did something in the past. Something that was sinful, dear Lord. We all do. That thing that we regret, dear Lord, we have them. We all have them. Those things that we said, that we did, that we just cannot seem to get over. Because the accuser's always before us, God, day and night. God, we, just, we, we feel that guilt and that burden of that sin. 
But dear Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bind the enemy, that you would take those feelings of guilt and shame, dear Lord, just, just from our minds and know that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. God, we know that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And for all the accusing that Satan does, God, I pray that you would help your Holy Spirit to grab a hold of us. God, I pray that you would help us to know that there is peace, that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. God, if there's somebody that's been battling the accuser, if there's somebody that's been holding on to a sin, God, I pray that today that they would give that to you and that they would leave it with you, dear Lord. I pray that you protect them in the future when the enemy wants to bring that up, dear Lord. And he will, God. I pray that you just help them to know that in Jesus Christ that was nailed to the cross. And it may have been bad, and it may have been horrible, but Jesus died to take it. So God, I pray that if there's anybody here that's struggling, that they would know that there's forgiveness for sins in Jesus Christ. God, maybe there's some here today that are yours. And maybe they've been living in sin, and maybe they don't see it, or maybe they do see it, dear Lord. But help us to examine our own lives, God. Yeah, we see the sin that's in the world and help us to do our best to, to fight it with love, God. But help us not to miss our own, our own shortcomings, our own sins, dear Lord. And I pray that you help us never to be guilty of celebrating sin. So God, as we close today, I pray that, God, that your Holy Spirit would just move among this people. God, that, that if there's something that somebody needs to give to you today, that they give it to you. God, that we would be in prayer for our nation today. God, that we would be in prayer for family and friends that we know today that don't know you. God, I pray that you would just put your spirit in this place today and just, just open our hearts, dear Lord, so that we can just receive you, God, and we can just uh, let these words of yours that we read today stay in our heart, God, and give us strength and give us, give us joy and give us correction if we need it, dear Lord. And God, as we, as we close today, I pray that God, if there's something on somebody's heart, that they would just open up to you and humbly come before you, dear Lord. So as James says, that we may be saved. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.